The reading today is from Exodus chapter 14, verses 10 through 15. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You you need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Good morning, everyone. My name is Cameron. I use he, him, his pronouns, and I am the worship pastor here at Zao. See, typically you get Jonah uh, preaching this, the message, the sermon, and so I know that I have big shoes to fill but I will do my best today. See, today is a topic in which I could not uh, not preach. See, today we are talking about something that has brought me a ton of grief in my life, a topic in which uh, I have had to take years to process and think about and pray about and read the Bible about. Today... We are talking about family. I do not take this sermon lightly, and I hope that you will be in this journey with me, and by the end of it, you will have peace and comfort in knowing the question, what is family? See, a lot of us here, I think, are constantly thinking about that, and so... This is the journey we take together today. Before we start, uh, would you pray with me? I am doubly nervous, and uh, I would just love to invite God to be with us this morning. So pray with me if you, if you would. <sighs> Great God, God of peace, God of comfort, God of justice, Would you be with us today? Would you help the words I say hit the places in our hearts that need to be hit? And if there's anything that is not necessary, would you help it get washed away? God, we come to you with question. We come to you with doubt. We come to you with pain. Would you be here with us? I know you are. In your precious name of Jesus, our liberator. Amen. So today, we just heard the verses in Exodus. We have been in this story throughout our sermon series about packing light, what to leave, what to take. And here we are once again learning from the people who have come before. See, We have the Israelites who are standing in front of the Red Sea. 
Now, we're Midwesterners, and so there's not a ton of seas that I've seen. You know, I, I've been to some spaces and have been able to see the ocean, but here in Milwaukee, I, I you know, I imagine us kind of standing at Lake Michigan, where you can't see the other side. God had just brought the Israelites from out from underneath the hand of Pharaoh. But Pharaoh was like, oh no, I am coming after you. I made a mistake. Here I come. I'm coming to take you back. And so they're standing at the Red Sea, not knowing how to go forward. In fact, Moses also reached out to God and said, God, what up, dude? Like, we're standing at the sea. And God looked at Moses and said, raise your hands, Moses, and take your people on. I imagine that God was like, Moses, you know that I am with you. You know that there's divinity in you. You have the power. Move your people on. But there were two groups, I believe, that we saw here in these verses. One group was this, this, these people who said, Thanks a lot, God. Thanks a lot, Moses. You brought us out of the hands of Pharaoh just to die in the desert in front of the sea? I want to go back. At least there we had food to eat. At least there we had probably a place to lay our head. And at least we were alive. I want to go back. And I imagine that they were trembling with fear. I imagine there was a second group there, though, also trembling with fear. A group in which they remember, because it just happened that God brought them out of captivity. God brought them to this place. They saw the plagues that we've talked about before. They saw what God was able to do so that they were able to get the things that they needed to go and go. They followed Jesus to the Red Sea. They followed God to the Red Sea and said, well, you didn't bring us this far to just leave us here. There must be a way. Moses, where's our way? We believe. See, God is a God who remembers for a people who sometimes forget. We've heard this throughout this sermon series. They forgot. Some of these folks, they forgot. They are standing here saying, I just want to go back. But there are others who want to walk in to freedom, and they believe. So I think we have a lot to learn from both of these groups, but I know that I prefer to look to those who were standing in front of something impossible. See, they believed the God that brought them out of captivity. They believed in the experiences that they had just had. They believed that because of that, there was a way forward into freedom, and I want to learn from them. So, I think that this resonates with me the most as a queer and trans black Christian. I think many of us here at Zao can relate to that. 
See, as a, as a queer and trans Christian who has had to wrestle with the fact that there's this closet, these chains that people are constantly trying to push me into, to keep me into, I stood at the Red Sea and said, no, I believe that God has brought me this far to not leave me, but to push the sea apart for me to walk on dry land through something that seems impossible. So I am going to come out and celebrate the fact that I am a chosen child of God, destined and loved by that God who chose for me to be queer and trans. So I will come out. But with that, there's a second group of people, right? who said, no, 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 we got to go back. We need you back in these chains. And so for me, those people have often been people that I call family. And when I say family at this moment, I mean people who have the blood that runs through me is the same blood that runs through them. And yet, the question for me has always been, how do I continue into my freedom when I have these people who are trying to get me back in chains? And that's a hard one. That brings grief. But the best part of the gospel, the best part of Jesus is that God knew what it was like to be on this earth because we have Jesus. We get to look at Jesus' life and say, what does Jesus have to say about that family? That family who is harming me, who is not like me. You know what I am talking about, Zhao. You come here at Zhao to learn about a kingdom in which it looks different than maybe mainstream Christianity does. You go to Thanksgiving you hear the homophobic and the transphobic slurs. You go home and you hear people ranting and raving about the Black Lives Matter movement, those rioters. You know what that's like. You know what it's like to look around when you see children in cages looking for those people to have something to say because it's clear that Jesus cared about children. And what you hear is silence. Or worse, you hear the justification of that with the use of Jesus' name. I think a lot of us can relate to what do we do then with this family? What do we do when we see an insurrection a few, a few weeks ago and we hear that people are literally singing how great is our God as they march towards the capital, putting together God and nation in a disgusting way. What do we do when it is the very people that you call family that are doing these things? See, I am constantly in these moments of grief knowing that that is my family. See, I come from that 
kind of family. I come from that kind of town in which I was one of a couple black people, give or take, one or two. And I would look around waiting for someone to say that the color of my skin was not something to be afraid of. I never heard it. It was only the opposite. And so we stand at the Red Sea not knowing what to do, but we know that we will not go back in the chains. So I'm constantly again in these moments of grief, but the best part is knowing again that we can look at the life of Jesus. So that's what I'm going to do. The first story that I'd like to just tell you is about Jesus in a time in which uh, he was with Jesus' people and preaching. So Matthew 12, 46 through 50 says this. While he was still speaking to the crowds, his mother and his brothers were standing outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside waiting to speak to you. But to the one who had told him this, Jesus replied, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And pointing to his disciples, he said, here is my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. See, this is what Jesus called family. The one who does the will of my father, the one who shows up, the one who is doing the work. The disciples were Jesus' family. And that is so important to us because often we're looking around saying, who is our family? It is the one who is doing the work. Not the religious elite, not those who have it clearly all figured out, those who are doing the work. And the work of Jesus, like we know nothing else, is that Jesus was here gathering people on the margins. He was going around and saying, you have heard it said that this kingdom is not for you. I am the new way. I am the kingdom. Join me and together we will build something beautiful and expansive. Not something that is so small, that is so hard to get into, because I love you. This is the work of Jesus. And so he looked around and said, those who are doing that kind of work, that is my family. There's another story that comes from Luke. So Luke 4 says this. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery to the sight of the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. 
There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they may hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. See, the Syrian from Syria was not one of them. They did not want to hear that the gospel, that good news, was for all. They got so mad about this, in fact, they tried to murder Jesus. Jesus was showing the people that this kingdom is expansive. This kingdom is for all of us. And that he, in fact, is the way. So much so that the good news is to proclaim the release of the captive and to let the oppressed go free for the year of the Lord's favor is here. That means give back what you have taken. That means there is jubilee. That means that this is for all. See, Jesus knew what it was like to speak to the religious elite and to, for them to try to continue to have the empire be in their grips. Jesus knew, and in this moment, almost led him to death. And we know that ultimately, he was murdered for this. And while he is having this conversation, he has the disciples uh, around him saying, well, what do we do then, God, if this is how we are to be if we are to live in the life like you, how do we do this? And so in Matthew 10, Jesus says this. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who in it is worthy and stay there until you leave. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. See, Jesus literally was saying, go in, say the words that you know are coming from the heavens above. Speak truth. And often, when you speak that truth, people will not want to listen. They want to hold you captive because it benefits them. So take back your peace and move on. Shake that dust from your feet and go on to the other folks who want to hear the truth. These are not your people. These are not your family. Move on. So for me, I feel so deeply, deeply decided that I will follow the prophet Jay-Z and get that dirt off your shoulders as I decided to rethink who my family is, who is worthy of my peace. 
That's something I'm giving away. Who's worthy of that? And if they decided that these are not my family, these are not my people, I will take it back. I will dust off my feet and move on. The hard part about this, y'all, is that there is grief in this. This is not easy. I have spent years thinking about this. I have spent countless therapy sessions, friend sessions, all sorts of sessions trying to decide what to do. I was talking to a friend the other day, actually, and I said, you know, I feel like if I actually grieve this and let my family go, also goes with me my hope that it could be different. And she was like, does it? <laughs> Can it actually be both? And I had to think about that a really long time. And yet, we are here at Zhao when we talk about the already and the not yet, right? This kingdom that we are building together, that we are trying to seek justice, live mercifully, and walk with our God. We are building that kingdom, and yet it is not here. And so there's this tension, this tension that says, can I grieve and hope at the same time? And for me, I had to say, in order for me to hope, I have to grieve. See, I have to grieve the fact that the family that I come from, not all of them, but a, a really significant piece of them, are not who I expected them to be. A large, significant part of my family is not who I needed them to be. And in fact, uh, those same folks are actually some of the people who have harmed me in some of the most drastic ways. I have to grieve that. But part of that grief is then letting that go. See, often I think of this story, my last story in the Bible, the prodigal son. And there is a time in my life that I absolutely uh, resonated with the son in the prodigal son. We've talked about this story many times at Zhao, but the story goes that the son comes to the father and says, Father, I want my inheritance. I want it now. And the father is like, no, please don't do this. Don't just go off. And the father's like, all right, here's your inheritance. And that son goes off and squanders it. The son wastes all his money. He gets to this point, in fact, where he has to eat with the pigs. He's sleeping with pigs. And he says, what have I done? I know I will go back to my father. And so as he's going, he's going back and he's rehearsing in his head. I will say this to my father. I will say that to my father. Surely he will take me back. And to his surprise, when, he's, he, when he approaches where he lives, the father is there reaching out his hands looking for his son. And he sees him and he runs to him and he says, My son has returned. See, I have resonated 
so much with that son. When I left for college, I got into some really bad situations. I lost my way. I turned to things like drugs and alcohol and people and all sorts of things that were really harmful to me. Now, with some therapy and good friendships, I have learned that some of that has some of that there's a reason for. It's called my upbringing. But some of that I take full responsibility for. I had choices and I made them. And so I often resonate with that son who scratched and prodded and made his way back. But I'm done with that. See, I, in this situation, I am not the son. I am the father. I will be the father for my family who is harming other people. I will wait with my arms open wide, waiting for them to find their way. But I will no longer allow them to say that I'm the one who has lost his way. It is them. See, we deserve to be loved in the way that God does, unconditionally. We, Zhao, deserve to live healed lives. We deserve to feel our feelings. We deserve to hope. I know that I can't do that until I grieve my family and let them go. I no longer am willing to stand at the Red Sea looking at the ground in front of me a way that God has made and allow other people to pull me back into slavery. I will not do it. So I let them go. And because God loves me unconditionally, I will stand like the Father with my arms open wide, waiting for them to repent of their ways. And when they come back, if they come back, I will throw a party and invite all of you. But until that time, I grieve it and I let them go. So like Jesus has now taught us, I will dust the sand off of my feet. I will look around and I will ask, who is my family? The answer is so often you, Zhao. For you are doing the work. You are doing the core values of Zhao, being Jesus-rooted, justice-centered, and radically inclusive. You are doing the work of expanding the kingdom and not making it so small that others can't get in. So you are my family. I will continue to build a different kind of family. I am very excited for my child to be born. And that child will learn the beauty of Jesus and the beauty of Jesus' kingdom with people like you. So where are you all at? I know that this is difficult. So many of us have these kind of family members. What do we do? For me, a first step is to write a letter that I've been avoiding for years. 
See, I have not been to Christmas for many years. I refuse to go to a place that will not acknowledge who I am as a full human being. I have received many letters. I re have received many texts, including uh, about, you know, one of the, the most important days of my life so far, the day that I was married to the love of my life. They said, I can't imagine standing there and being okay with this. So I haven't been to Christmas for a few years. So I have written a letter, and I um, am going to read that to you. I hope that this helps you to do some of your own internal work as to what you might need to do when you are asking the same question, who is my family? So I'm going to read that right now. Dear Jensen Five, hello, it's been a long time. I know that we have not spoken now for years. I've heard from grandma and my mom how there have been tears and questions as to why I have stepped back from coming to Christmas and I have not had the words to say until now. I have spent years crying and angry and disappointed. I think that the most disappointed piece that has happened is the attempts that you have made to throw the Bible that I love in my face and disregard anything that I have said as wrong. We have come to the Red Sea and I have journeyed with you for as long as I could. But my great God is making a way for me and calling me into freedom and liberation, not back into captivity. It seems like nothing I say will ever change your mind. I have thought about sending you science and data on transgender individuals and how there are literal scientific studies showing biological proof for transgender people. I have thought about sending you historical documents, how the word homosexuality never entered the Bible until 1946. I have thought about sitting down with you and going through the seven clobber verses and trying to come to some third way of understanding, telling you that Jesus never had anything to say about this and that if it was that important, that Jesus, God on earth, would have something to say about it. I've actually drafted you other letters telling you about the beautiful fruit of my life and the ministry of Zhao MKE Church. I wanted to help you to realize that my identity is not a thorn in my side. It is who God has made me to be with intention, love, and divine purpose. But all of that seemed futile. This is more than just about queerness and transness for me. This is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
In one of your first letters you wrote to me, you talked about the fruit of my life and how there could be no good fruit that comes with this lifestyle. I want to talk to you about the fruit that I see from your gospel. Fruit. 40% of all homeless youth identify as LGBTQ. And LGBTQ teens are 1.3 to 3 times more likely to attempt suicide. I would know. Fruit. The Pew Research Center found that people identifying as Christian in the USA continues to drastically go down year by year. Christian is synonymous with hate or judgment. And a personal fruit. I no longer feel comfortable to be around you even though we are blood relatives. And I know what you will say. Well, I didn't do any of these things outright. But that is the thing. When you are silent, you are complicit. Whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me, Jesus said. It is more than queerness for me. I have watched and waited for you to have something to say on behalf of black folks. Because black lives matter. Nothing. I have watched and waited for you to have something to say about basic human rights, like health care being stripped from someone like me. Silence. I have watched and waited for you to say anything about the fact that we have children in cages at the border. Crickets. I have watched and waited for you to say anything about the fact that when I go into my grandparents' home and I look on the refrigerator, I see my cousin flashing a white supremacy sign in his track and field photo. I'm sure it was just a joke. And I wondered if you had anything to say about that. And why would a Christian boy think that this is funny? My life isn't funny. I have been furious with you all as I watch you streaming church services that I see you are there with no masks around others like there is no worldwide pandemic happening, and then you have my grandparents over to your house without wearing a mask. They left to go to Florida to get away from potential issues. You could have killed them. I would think that the simple rule of love your neighbor would compel you to put on a mask especially for those you say you love. 
See, I have tried for years to find the words to say to you all. I have struggled to reconcile the call of my faith, which invites me into the expansive kingdom of God for all God's beloved, with the experience of my so-called family who rejects me and so many I love. I need you to know that through pain and tears and prayer, I have finally found my words. Hear me clearly. You are not my family. Not yet. If someday you repent of your lost ways, I will, like the father in the story of the prodigal son, be here with open arms. But I have not lost my way. You have. I am not leading people astray. You are. I am not acting of this world. You are. See, I've looked to the stories of Jesus and how to respond to you. There's a story in Matthew 12. It says, someone told him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. But to the one who had told him this, Jesus replied, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. I do not believe that you are doing the will of the Father in heaven. My Father has opened the kingdom for all and for all to be fully known and loved. It breaks my heart that you have not yet met that Jesus and that you fear so much and that the fear of hell keeps you from living into the fullness of who you may be. But for me, this fear will not compel me to go back into captivity like some of the Israelites wanted to do when standing at the Red Sea. Instead, I will trust the experiences of my ancestors. I will trust my personal experiences as those matter and I will trust my relationship with the brown skin revolutionary Jesus to lead me to liberation and freedom. This letter is for all of you. You all have had the opportunity to do things in a different way, though you have not. So I will. Jonah and I are expecting a baby come July, and I can't wait for that baby to meet my family. Unfortunately, that does not include you. 
Again, I want to emphasize that the day you accept me in the fullness of who I am is the day a huge party will be thrown in celebration. But until that time, stop sending me things at Christmas to relieve your bad feelings. And please, do not send me an invitation to a wedding that I'm supposed to just get on board with, even though I know nothing of that relationship. That apparently the only criteria to make it a good and holy one in front of God is because there are unmatching genitals. This is foolishness. I will continue to hope in a different future. But until that time, may God soften your heart to those around you. May God break your heart for what breaks God's. May God's grace and love become more and more revealed to you. And may you find freedom in that same expansive love of God. Sincerely, Cameron Malachi Overton. My pronouns are he, him, and his. I'm a son, brother, a nephew, a grandson, a pastor, a black man, and a soon-to-be father.